Welcome to the Tree of Life podcast. I'm here with my guest, Rebecca Godwin. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Um, so, Rebecca, uh, before we start talking um, today about Trapdoor Spiders, I was wondering if you could get us, give us a little synopsis about who you are, how you got here, what your path in your science career has been like to date. Um, it's been a little windy, to be honest. I, if we start like at college, it's probably a little easier. I started out interested in mammals, actually. I wanted to be, you know, Jane Goodall. I was kind of a Jane Goodall fangirl as a child. And uh, kind of switched around, worked on insects, actually, during undergrad, looking at um, the diversity of prey caught by carnivorous plants in the southeast. Hmm. Uh, went on, after a brief stint as an English teacher, to do my master's working on investment in carnivory in the carnivorous plants, so switched around to plants. And uh, worked for uh, Dr. Debbie Folkerts, who kind of as a hobby was interested in spiders, and so I kind of also became interested in spiders while working on plants, and then um, met Dr. Jason Bond, and now I work for him, working on my PhD. Wow, interesting. I had no <laughs> idea that you worked in carnivorous plants. Do you mm -hmm. find any parallels between carnivorous plants and the work you do now at all, or are they totally different? It's, you know, it's kind of interesting. So the carnivorous plant I worked on was Drosera capillaris, one of the sundews, the little pink sundew. Um, and they are, in a sense, a little sit-and-wait predator, right? They're sticky, they're on the ground, they're about the size of a trapdoor, actually, just waiting for something to walk across, so it's kind of similar, I suppose. They're right. kind of, yeah, it's kind of a generalist waiting for something to come by sort of process. And Okay, interesting. So just now you, right, it's a little cute, right? <laughs> so, so now you work on trapdoor spiders. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that a lot of people are completely familiar with trapdoor spiders, so maybe can you tell us what is a trapdoor spider? How is it different than other spiders that you see in the house? You know, how, how are they different? Yeah, and actually I wasn't super familiar with them before I started working on them. So trapdoor spiders are a group of spiders that are more closely related to tarantulas than uh, most of the other spiders we tend to commonly think of, kind of the orb weavers or wolf spiders that are out running on the ground. And they um, build bur they build burrows or dig burrows, which um, are lined with silk, so they tend to be kind of nice, tidy little burrows. And the ones I work on specifically build a trap door. They actually kind of combine soil and silk into a door that closes the burrow that they live in, um, and they'll stay in that burrow their entire lives. And they're kind of sit and wait predators from the burrow. Ah, so they so they um, build this initial burrow when they're really young. And then as they get bigger, they make it bigger. And it, how, about how big do they get? So it can vary. Uh, in the one of the genera that I'm working on, I have adult spiders that are maybe half an inch long total. And then I have adult spiders that are two to three inches long total. Okay. So they can, it's quite variable. It's quite variable. Okay, so um, given that they have this biology where they dig a burrow, they you know, stay there their entire lives and they make it gradually bigger. So what does that mean in terms of their distribution? And one of the things that I always think about when I think about trapdoor spiders is endemism. And so maybe could you define endemism for us and then explain how that relates to trapdoor spiders in general? Yeah, so endemism, so if you have a species which is endemic, it occurs in a specific area and only in that area. Right, and what we tend to see in trapdoor spiders is kind of this um, kind of small range endemism. They tend to be in these really small areas. They're what we call, they have a very low vigility. They can't disperse very far. 
Um, so a mother will kind of have an egg sac, they'll hatch in the burrow and they stay there um, for kind of an unknown number of instars until they're old enough to move from the burrow and they'll walk. They just walk from that burrow, find a amenable spot and dig their burrow. We don't know a lot about the variation in how far they walk. We think it's not far. You tend to find, if you find like a kind of a large female, you'll find lots of small burrows within a few feet of her burrow. Um, I think there was a study in China that kind of said they can move maybe up to like nine meters on the outside. So they don't move far as populations. They tend to kind of stay in these little areas within a hillside or a valley or a little kind of river drainage or something. Okay, so they all tend to be closely clustered together. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when a lot of people think about spiders, they think of that unique dispersal method called ballooning. Um, Maybe, can you describe what ballooning is for us? Right, yeah, yeah, made famous by Charlotte's Web, right? Right. So uh, a lot, especially the ones that build orb webs that we see, they will disperse by ballooning where they release silk, and will be carried kind of like wind dispersal for spiders, basically, which maybe sounds terrifying to some people. It's pretty interesting. Um, so they'll release silk to some given length and then kind of get picked up and carried by the wind. And they can be carried really far and really high in some cases, kind of tens of thousands of feet wow. into the air in some instances. Um, I mean, though that's kind of an exceptional case, but they find them in airplanes and things. Right, and yeah. so and so, you, so usually these are not trapdoor spiders. Right. These are other kinds of spiders. But uh, your spiders, at least some of the spiders that you work on, the trapdoor spiders actually do this ballooning. So how does that affect um, you know, your understanding or your thinking about um, narrow endemism in trapdoor spiders? Yeah, it's known in a few groups in trapdoor spiders. Uh, a little work was done on um, the same group I'm working on where it exists in the Mediterranean, that balloon, and it doesn't seem to move them very far. I have some data that I've been looking at that says one of my species apparently is able to balloon effectively. Um, and so I have one very wide range species, which is really interesting. It's something we don't see in trapdoor spiders that I can go to a single hillside and find um, two species of the same genus kind of coexisting. Um, and it is interesting that this species that does appear to balloon looks very different. It's one of the easier ones to identify. It looks very different from everything else kind of that occurs in the region. which is. Hmm. So do you, do you think there's something uh, unique about their biology that makes them more prone to do the ballooning behavior? There must be. So their ballooning behavior um, is fairly kind of regular and specific, which is, I guess, not uncommon for the uraniomorphs, which balloon. Um, they actually will emerge from the burrow kind of in file. They'll, there's a first baby or uh, young spider that comes out. We don't know what determines who comes out first, but somebody comes out first and starts laying down silk. And usually, because these females live for decades, right, so they're having young, hopefully every year, they go to the same tree or tall item every year. And so first spider comes out, goes to that tree, and they make this kind of silk road to the Mm. tree, up the tree, and out a branch. Mm. Um, And then they actually attach silk, and they drop from the branch until the silk breaks, which is another method of ballooning. and it seems in this particular case to be effective. Like I said, it's been observed in other groups of trapdoor spiders, but it doesn't seem to in- increase their ability to disperse. Uh, okay, and so when, when, what time of year does this happen? So most of the records I have are kind of in April, mid, mid-April seems to be when they move. 
Um, so kind of, it's in, so it's, and it's in the Eastern US. So it's kind of a, a pleasant weather time. So if you're going to have to be a young spider flying through the air and landing somewhere <laughs> right. and digging a hole, right? There's enough moisture, it's not too cold. It's kind of a, I suppose, kind of a preferred time to have kind of a dangerous life history option. Right, and that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> so that's, that's really interesting that it, it contrasts so sharply with the other known um, trapdoor spiders. But um, yeah, it's a, that's a really uh, interesting uh, you know, way of dispersal and almost certainly has impacts on their biogeography and maybe even genetics. Would you expect or do you see any uh, differences in the genetics of these spiders relative to others that don't balloon? So the data I have is very preliminary. I've got kind of uh, single marker barcode data. And for that, this ballooning species, even being as widely spread as it is, appears basically identical, as identical as these kind of really small range endemic, you would you assume like kind of n nearly panmictic, but not entirely. So. I don't know a whole lot yet. I need more data. <laughs> Great. Well, the, the never-ending quest for more more information. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you very much for um, coming in today, and uh, it was great to hear about your research. And we look forward to uh, your future discoveries and progress. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.